millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction. And free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. On DAB+, online, via the TalkSport app, and on your smart speaker. The Women's Football Show with Baker Rothers. It's a really, really good finish. I love goals like that on TalkSport 2. Happy New Week, you lovely lot. This is Talk Sports Women's Football Show podcast. I'm Faker Rothers, bringing you loads of exclusive content. We'll be here every week, rounding up the very best of the show. And don't forget, you can listen back to the full Women's Football Show via the Talk Sport app. This week, we were on on Monday at 7pm, so just swipe for Talk Sport 2, find Monday, and you can listen in full then. Now, the fallout from Emma Hayes' departure from WSL champions Chelsea continued this week, with reports suggesting the club's delay over contract negotiations left the door open for the US women's national team to come in and make her an offer. It's still not been confirmed she's taking over the vacant manager's role stateside, but it seems like a deal is close although Emma Hayes herself refused to comment on the speculation. Uh, former Tottenham captain Jenna Scalacci and I listened back to Hayes' pre-match press conference as we reflected on some of her comments in the wake of Chelsea's 3-0 win over Everton. Listen, I've been in post for 12 years and I've dedicated my life to this place. I drive four hours every day, six days a week for 12 years. And I have a five-year-old that is, needs more of his mummy, for sure. That's important, family matters. Um, and I think I've dedicated as much as I possibly can to this football club. I've loved every minute of it. And I think it's really important that if possible, let's create a succession plan for me, much like Paul and I do with the players. So the time is right and um, I will work with a club uh, in the succession plan and do everything I can to make sure there is as good a transition as possible so that my successor uh, can equally have the same level of success I have. I believe in private conversations so, of course, I'm disappointed to hear uh, things being said in the press. But I, I want to make sure that I maintain my own professionalism and everything I do. I have a team to focus on. I've got games to win. And I don't think anything will come between me and the players and me and the fans. I understand Chelsea. I know Chelsea. This is my club. It will always be my club. And while I am sad uh, on many, many levels, I've always said to the fans, there'll come that moment when I'm sat with them in the crowd and I look forward uh, to that come the end of the season. 
know, I come to work every day with a, a group of people uh, that some of them I've worked with like the entire time, not just players but staff. And what we have created down in that building is magical and something that I know every player appreciates being a part of. As far as I'm concerned, the people I have worked with in that period have made me feel the best coach I can feel. Though that's not always easy when you drop players or you know they're not playing week in, week out. Um, so I leave at the end of the season knowing I've given everything and I've done everything. As I said before, conversations that are private between me and the club remain private on my end, and I will maintain that. Jenna, we both know Emma Hayes, and you know she's a person of high integrity. And she said there how disappointed she was that private conversations had seemingly been leaked to the press. None of that's very helpful for either party, is it? No, and obviously it's it's sad that it's come to that given what Emma's done for the club and, you know, she's been there for a long, long time and you'd like to think that the respect is there both ways and private conversations do stay private. But unfortunately, as we all know, that's the way that our game is going now and um yeah really disappointed and you could see she was that hurt her that um private conversations has been leaked yeah uh, we spoke last week about her legacy and and what it means for chelsea going forward but what did you make of the suggestion that they took too long over her contract yeah i mean she's one of the best in the world isn't she and you'd like to think that they would have that would have been on their priority list i know Within the club, they've had their troubles over the last couple of seasons now, but you'd like to think that the women's team and Emma Hayes is a is a main priority. And unfortunately for them, they didn't react quick enough. And of course, there's going to be people coming in and snapping up, um, snapping her up because she is world class. And she's she's made hints over the last couple of seasons that, you know, her looking towards the future, obviously her family, I think obviously losing her dad recently as well, probably plays a massive part and family so important to her. Um, she hinted that she would, it wouldn't be club football again. So I think, you know, being in an international setup will allow her to have that, that time. And, you know, there's rumors going around about the offers that have come in from obviously USA and it's incredible. And it doesn't surprise me that she, that she has gone, but what a legacy she leaves behind. And I think the timing of it is 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 good timing because she's also thinking about the club as well and she wants to be part of the succession plan. She wants to be part of the panel that brings in, you know, the next manager to continue all the work because she has given up her life to that club and it would be gutting for her to leave and see the club go downhill. So I think that's really important and I think the timing allows that. Yeah, definitely. Um, news of her departure at the end of the season didn't affect Chelsea's performance at Walton Hall Park, though. They cruised past Everton with Jesse Fleming, Sam Kerr and Aggie Beaver-Jones on the score sheet. Business as usual. Yeah, I think, and, uh, you know, I, I expected that. I think, if anything, these players now will want to give everything to make sure that they send Emma Hayes out on a high for everything she's done for every single player. She's hugely respected. And, yeah, a really professional performance for them. I thought the early goal conceded by Everton, you know, against a Chelsea team, you can't afford to be doing that. But you give credit to Everton because they stayed in the game and I thought they would probably felt a bit unlucky going in 1-0 down. And then, obviously, second half, fantastic Sam Kerr goal and business as usual. Yeah, it was a comfortable win in the end from Chelsea. Yeah, let's hear the thoughts of the Chelsea manager. Talk Sports' Jeff Peters spoke to Emma Hayes after the game. Brilliant to come away from home against a very physical Everton team. 
on the back of their midweek loss. I thought Everton did well in the first half. I thought we were comfortable the first part of the game. Then we stopped losing. We we stopped winning the duels both aerially and on the ground, and I think that allowed them to get a foothold into the game. But we made some adjustments at half time. Good goal from Jesse Fleming. Really good goal for the second goal. I think the way we worked uh, the ball in the final third and third one, Aggie Beaver-Jones. I mean, listen, I think you're going to start to see more and more of these types of finishes from her. She's exceptional. At half-time, your goalkeeper had made some terrific saves. Absolutely. We were fortunate to come in 1-0, I felt, at half-time. But, you know, that's, you know, Anne set her a challenge this year. She has to step forward and improve on her game she knows the areas she's got to improve and I thought she was absolutely solid today what pleased you most today with your team always adapting I like that whenever challenges are thrown at us we can um, tactically throw things at them and they can do it really really quickly I, I always like that part four points clear at the top of the table now do you know what I haven't looked at the, that I know Manchester City lost today but I don't know the point gap so thanks for telling me but we're not even halfway yet. What's this week been like for you? Uh, I've had a lot of love. Um, and that's always nice as a human being to know people, I don't know, care about your work. And as I've said all week, I just wanted everyone to know I've worked as hard as I can. And while I'm still here, I will continue to do that. From an Everton perspective, Jenner, it was their fourth defeat of the season. They lie 10th on four points. Brian Sorensen's side lacking that clinical edge. But the scoreline didn't really tell the whole story. And he insists that the first home win is coming and his side can turn things around. said to the girls in, in the hall after, you know, proud of especially the first half. I think we, we deserve more uh, with what we, you know, brought into the game. Um, yeah, you know, it's hard for me to ask with the struggles we have. With, with we have been have sickness in the squad. We have in like key players out in injuries. We have some just come back almost from today, and and, and it's limited on time. But you know, we yeah, we managed it through. Um, second half, we we don't have the energy because uh, we also have to take key players off, not to you know, to, so so that we don't hurt them again. Yeah, overall, happy with performance. I felt we should have got more out of the game, but uh, when we don't take so big chances, we, we yeah, it's it's hard not not to um, yeah not, not to get a result, of course. We have the team to to do it. Uh, it's it's a little funny thing because I don't I feel we're hot done by the Brighton game where we lose two uh, one, um, and then the Leicester game for sure where we miss a penalty and uh, get a goal disallowed. That's a clear goal uh, because that would have been six point in the bank together with the four we had, and then we would have been in the top of the league today uh, but you know that's how football is if you don't take your chances and you're not ruthless enough you can you can end up where we are um, and um, I'm focusing on performance 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 has been good uh, except the one in Thursday but we know that uh, because of uh, the, the legs we need to save uh, and um, yeah and and today we showed that we can put in a good performance against a very very good team uh, and if we can create the chances against them I'm, I'm pretty sure we can do that against a team like Bristol. As Brian Sorensen said there, Jenna, they have Bristol City next weekend and he believes that they can win that. There are extenuating circumstances with squad illness, etc. And they were decent in the opening stages of the game against Chelsea, but kind of faded in the second half. Do you agree with him? Can they turn it around? Yeah, I think given their sec uh, sorry first half performance, I thought they really took the game to Chelsea. And after conceding so early, it's really easy to crumble especially against a Chelsea team but they didn't and as I said I thought they were felt disappointed to go in at 1-0 down um, at half time and it was just the second half they ran out of legs obviously the depth 
due to the illness didn't help them in the second half um, in terms of what changes they could make. But yeah, looking ahead, that Bristol game's huge. Just looking at the league table now, there's all almost already that mini league kicking off down at the bottom of the table and they'll want to get that those three points. They, they, they need a three points really to get their season going. And similarly to Bristol, it's going to be a huge game. There were goals galore in the WSL while Chelsea maintained their top form. Manchester City suffered a shock defeat and Aston Villa finally picked up their first points of the season. Jenna and I broke down all the rest of the action that's caused a shake-up in the WSL table. What a second half performance Arsenal put on in front of the cameras at King Power Stadium in the Sunday night game. It finished Leicester 2, Arsenal 6 and Leicester had led by two goals to nil at half time thanks to two goals in two minutes from Sam Tierney and Janice Kamen. But Arsenal came out all guns blazing in the second half. And Willie Kirk's side defensively fell apart, scoring, uh, conceding six goals, uh, six different goal scorers for Arsenal as well. Uh, let me take a breath. Chloe Lacasse, Alessia Russo, Caitlin Ford, Victoria Palova, Stina Blackstenius, uh, and Lena Hurtig. I mean, what a game it was, Jenna. How do you even begin analysing that? Oh, yeah, what a game. And, you know, I think at two near, I thought Leicester, the first half, were, were fantastic. I think. Pullover obviously had the couple of chances early on in, in that first half, which have could have probably put the game away there and then quite early on in the match. But, you know, she 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 missed two very good opportunities. And I, I think Leicester were fantastic. I thought Hannah Kane was really, you know, it's not often you see a player dominate Katie McCabe out there on that left-hand side. And her pace, she was getting the better of McCabe. And, yeah, two really well-took goals. Um and, you know, when they go 1-0 up, it, you think, OK, they're just going to sit back now, get through to half time, what going at 1-0 up. But they didn't. They they kicked on again. And again, it came down that left-hand side through Kane, I think it was, and McCabe. And, yeah, fantastic from them. And then you go in at half time and to go 2-0 up against Arsenal, that's no mean feat. So you, you kind of know what second half you're going to be in for. And I think maybe that's where their, maybe their experience may may have cost them they they didn't sit back and they they were punished. I mean, it was a masterclass from Arsenal in the second half in transition. Some of them goals on transition were fantastic, the pace of it. And as you say, Leicester just fell apart. But I felt the first half, I, I could see Leicester going on and, and really kicking on and scoring even more goals. I thought Arsenal looked a bit vulnerable. But yeah, I mean, fantastic second half performance, six different goal scorers. It was a real masterclass from from Arsenal. What's your pick of the of the six Arsenal goals? Uh, mine was the third one, the counter. It was uh, the Russo assist. So it started well deep in their half, Lacasse to Russo, first time into Caitlin Ford, and it was a lovely dink goal. So for me, that one, that was just a beautiful team goal. Yeah, Lena Hurtig's first goal in the WSL as well. But it's going to give Alessia Russo a bit of confidence, surely, isn't it? Yeah, we spoke about her last week and, you know, her not just being a goal scorer, and she was at the heart of many of those goals yesterday, just her work rate off the ball, dropping deep and then, you know, providing assists and got the goal herself. So yeah, she just works so, so hard for her team and you can see her growing each game and happy for her that she's got her second goal of the season. Yeah, there were five different goal scorers at least Sports Village over the weekend as well. It finished Manchester United 5, West Ham nil. United continuing to keep the pressure on Chelsea, uh, they're still unbeaten this season, dominated the first half with Jace scoring her first goal of the season after three minutes. Uh, Millie Turner and Nikita Paris made it three before the break. 
West Ham did improve in the second half, but they couldn't get past Mary Earps and Garcia and Mallard's goals sealed a comfortable win for Mark Skinner's side. Uh, the fact it's five different goal scorers, same as the six for, for Arsenal, that's pretty impressive, I would say, Jenna. Yeah, really impressive. They're not relying on just one goal scorer, are they? There's goals all across that front line and saw Millie Turner, the centre-back, popping up with probably one of the best of the bunch there yesterday. But yeah, it was a, it was a great start from the off, the early goal from Jason. At going in at 3-0 down West Ham, it's always a huge, huge mountain to climb. So they've kind of given them no sh- chance by starting off really slowly. They did improve in the second half, but at that point it was it was far too late to get anything out of the game. And they, go, they seem to be in a, a little bit of a rut now, West Ham, um, struggling to pick up the points. But yeah, full credit to Manchester United. They were dominant, five goals, none conceding. Really, really pleased. And Mark Skinner will be happy with that. It's been a really tough start to life at West Ham for Rianne Skinner, though, hasn't it? Just the one win over Brighton a month ago. They lost uh, Viviana Sai and Onaka Hayashi to injury as well. And it's Aston Villa for them next week. Did did you expect them to have been better than this? I think, yeah, I think in earlier on in the season, they, they showed really good signs of improvement over the summer and with Rianne coming in and, and some changes there. The loss of Asai was a, a big blow to them. I think she's one of their, you know, real danger players. And when you're playing against a Manchester United team who enjoy a lot of the ball, that's kind of like your target player, isn't it? And they were without her. But you would expect them to do a bit better. They are quite solid and, and organised under Rianne. Um, But yesterday they weren't, we didn't see that. They were quite easy to break down. I think Manchester United were quite creative and 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 they made it easy for Manchester United in, in some ways. But I think Rianne's going to, you know, she's been in this kind of situation before. She still has the time, but I think, yeah, you'd expect them to be doing a bit better. And I guess now you, you, you look at the games that realistically you're going to win and probably Manchester United was never going to be one of them. Yeah, absolutely. So Manchester United uh, move up to third. They're four points behind Chelsea. Arsenal are on second. Uh, are second on three points behind uh, the league leaders. Liverpool and Spurs started the weekend ahead of United, but played out a one-all draw at Brisbane Road with two Norwegians on the score sheet. Celine Bizet put Tottenham ahead midway through the first half with an impressive solo goal before Liverpool's summer signing Sophie Roman Howe equalised on 67 minutes with her first goal for the club, uh, leaving the points shared. Uh, as you say, Jenna, you were there for this one. Liverpool could have maybe got all three points through Gemma Bonner, but her volley went wide towards the end of the game. Was a point each the right result? I think over the 90 minutes when reflecting, I think a point apiece is probably a fair result. I thought Tottenham were the better team in the first half and then Liverpool grew into it and finished off the better team. Um, I think Tottenham will feel really frustrated because for long periods in that first half, they were on top and they just couldn't find that second goal. Um, obviously, it was a fantastic solo effort from Celine Bizitz. Um, picked the ball up, won the ball back deep in her own half and it was just amazing, amazing run. And I don't know if you've had a chance to see it, but the Martha Thomas run to create the space for Bizet to then exploit and get a shot off was fantastic. So yeah, after the goal went in, Bizet had another opportunity to score, come crushing off of the, the, the crossbar. And they really just couldn't find that second goal. And, you know, one, it was a really risky scoreline. And then second half, Liverpool came out I think the better team, they had the better of the second half and 
switched off defensively Tottenham at the back post and were punished from the header. Um, and then, yeah, I think the closing stages, Liverpool were on top and I think Tottenham were thankful for the final whistle. But yeah, frustration from Tottenham, but I think overall a, a fair result. Yeah, the run was superb from Martha Thomas. And, you know, we, we expect her on the score sheet, don't we? So, uh, you know, the fact that she's helping with assists as well is really important, but could have done with a goal at the weekend as well. I mean, both these teams really, along with Leicester, have been the surprise packages of the season so far. Can can they genuinely challenge in the traditional top three that's kind of now four with Manchester United in the mix as well? Yeah, I think obviously they've surprised quite a few people, Tottenham and Liverpool. I think the only thing that may maybe go against them is the depth in their squads. I think if you're looking at yesterday, Olga, who's been a a key player for Tottenham in that midfield, really sad sight to see. She went down late on. Fingers crossed it's not the dreaded three words. But, you know, she's been consistent and Robert Villaham hasn't liked to really change much of his squad. Now, I think now this is the time of the season where you start to pick up injuries, those niggles um, and your squad death just depletes a little bit. I think that will only that will be maybe the thing that may let them down. But they're they're so improved the depth. The depths are, you know, they're actually really difficult to break down both of these teams and they've got the threats going forward. So I think as long as they can keep their squads fit, I think they'll they'll really cause some trouble to the teams above them. Yeah, Olga Artanen uh, stretched off and uh, Luana Bula as well was taken off earlier on in the game. That could be a problem for next week's WSL match against Leicester, which is a big one. Yeah, really big game. I think I actually can't wait for this one. I mean, if you look back to last season at Tottenham-Leicester, I don't think many people would be interested. But Leicester, again, another team that I think they'll take a lot of confidence from their game despite, you know, that second half battering from, from Arsenal. But much improved team and both teams will want to get the three points. Um, but yeah, that's going to be a really interesting watch and, and hopefully Tottenham's uh, injuries aren't as bad as they looked yesterday. Uh, Liverpool face Chelsea, tough one for Matt Beard's side, but we know he can cause an upset and Liverpool absolutely uh, flying so far this season. Perhaps the shock of the weekend in the Women's Super League. Brighton scored a late winner, giving them a 1-0 victory over Manchester City. That makes it two consecutive defeats for Gareth Taylor's side after after their late 2-1 loss to Arsenal last weekend. Brighton goalkeeper Sophie Bagley made 13 saves in this match, denying Manchester City. She's been absolutely superb this season, hasn't she? And Lee Hoon-Min snatched the win for Brighton in the 81st minute, putting the ball past Kiara Keating. Look, from a Manchester City point of view, um, Jenna, it was frustrating for them. It was a dominant start to the season, but two defeats on the bounce. It's still early days, but how much does that dent their title aspirations? Yeah, I think it's a, a huge blow to their title hopes. I think it's no secret you can't afford to drop too many points in this league and two on a bounce is it, it, it's a bad run for, for, for City. I think especially against a Brighton team of... We expected them to do well this season, given their recruits, but they've struggled to get their season, you know, off the ground. And I think you've got to give full credit to Brighton um, and Melissa Phillips' team. I thought they had to be so resilient. They had to soak up so, so, so much pressure. And obviously Sophie Bagley was fantastic in goal again for them. And, you know, they didn't get many chances. I think they had three shots and, and they scored one of them. So they had to be clinical when those opportunities come around. And it was almost like Man City's ex-players in Bremer and Lee come back to haunt them yesterday. But 
I thought Brighton were fantastic. They they were organised. They were solid. They made it really difficult for Man City. But if you're looking at it from a Man City's point of view, they had a lot of chances in that first half. They created a lot of chances, but they just weren't clinical enough. Um, and we saw signs of that against Arsenal as well last week. Um, and ultimately, they got punished. But yeah, massive blow for City's title hopes, but a fantastic three points and well-earned for, for Brighton. Yeah, it's actually the first time Brighton have ever beaten Manchester City. A huge result for them, especially after getting a draw against Manchester United last weekend. How much confidence is that going to give them? And is this maybe the kind of start of their resurgence or the start of this new era under Melissa Phillips? I think so. And I think when you look at a Manchester United team and Man City, there's not many teams in this league that will be able to take points from them. The fact they've done it twice in a, you know, on a bounce is is huge for them. They had a really tough, you know, three defeats in a row. So I think they'll take a lot from that and they'll have that confidence now that they can go on. And if they can take points off of Man City, there's no reason why they can't take points off of anyone else in that league. So I think a massive, massive confidence boost from their team now. Yeah, most definitely. They're in eighth on, on seven points. Uh, Manchester City in sixth on 10 points, six points now uh, behind Chelsea, having played the same amount of games. So some work to do for Gareth Taylor uh, and his side. There was plenty of work to do uh, for the last two teams uh, that we'll talk about in uh, this recap of the WSL action from the weekend. Aston Villa finally picked up their first points of the season, securing a 2-0 victory over Bristol City. It was two late goals that won it in the end. But Villa were the stronger team uh, throughout and dominated possession. It took them until deep into the second half, though, to break the deadlock. Ebony, Sam Ebony Salmon's cross into the box took a deflection off Megan Connolly in the 77th minute. And then Salmon made sure of the win 10 minutes later, squeezing a shot past the keeper to lift Villa off the bottom of the table and above Bristol City because of their superior goal difference. Uh, big relief for Villa and for Carla Ward as well. But you have to say, it, it certainly didn't, really looked like it was a transformed team and they were still struggling to create chances in the match before Ebony Salmon came on. Yeah, I mean, it's no secret they've been really, really struggling, haven't they? And the pressure's really been on Carla Ward, but I think she gave a really honest interview last weekend and it's clear that her team are behind her, her players are supporting her and, and they're trusting in it. And we, we spoke last week that this was absolutely massive they had to get three points yesterday and yeah it wasn't pretty yeah they weren't at their best but they've they've got the three points and hopefully this will kick start their season and take a little bit of pressure off of the players and and, and Carla Ward as well I think when you're you know five defeats in the opening start of this season it, it's so hard for players to to get that confidence and go out there and be you know comfortable enough and brave enough to to express themselves as players like we saw them do last season it's so so difficult so I think mentally that three points will be huge for them and hopefully we see that now kick on and we start to see signs of the Villa team that we saw last season. Bristol City goalkeeper Caelan Marquise went off with a nasty looking injury in the first half after she collided uh, with the post hopefully she makes a swift recovery but Bristol City really held their own for most of, of that game off the back of an impressive win over West Ham. A lot of people think that they're clear candidates for relegation. Lauren Smith certainly disagrees, as you would expect the head coach too. But she said, actually, you know, what what the table reflects now is not how it's going to be at the end of the season. What do you think? Yeah, I think I agree. I think I've watched them a few times now and I, I think they've got, 
a squad there that are fighting that they're organized they're hard really hard to to play against i watched them when they played against arsenal and arsenal really struggled to find a way to break them down um and obviously they've got their three points now and i think for the league i think it's it, it's great that they both teams have now got their three points because we don't want to get to a point where we know you know who well we thought last season we knew who was going to be relegated at christmas and that flipped it on its head but i think you you, you know you want that relegation battle fight and you don't want someone down and out by the time it's it's christmas and no i think i think it's going to be interesting i think people will they will be people's favorites to go down i think it's extremely difficult to come into this league um and establish yourself in in just one season but i think they they might still uh, throw up a few surprises and and take some points off of teams yeah, uh, let's round up the championship, shall we? You know, every week we say it's so close but at, at the top, but it is, again, because Charlton's 2-0 victory over Southampton means they overtake Sunderland to become the new leaders in the table. It's just chop and change and uh, and tag team at the moment, it feels. Uh, that's because Sunderland lost their clash against Blackburn Rovers by a goal to nil. Meanwhile, Birmingham City continued their unbeaten run. They beat London City Lionesses by a goal to nil. Crystal Palace came out on top in a five-goal thriller against bottom of the table, Lewis. They beat them 3-2. So Palace sit third in the table, but they still do have a game in hand, so they have the potential to go top with a win. Uh, Durham beat Sheffield United 1-0. Both those teams kind of having very mixed seasons, uh, really, you'd say. And Reading and Watford played out a goalless draw, which will have pleased neither of them, really, because they sit 10th and 11th in the table just outside the relegation place. Charlton and Sunderland sit in first and second place, both on 21 points. And with the exact same goal difference, they play each other next weekend, Jenna, which is going to be crucial and fascinating. Yeah, I mean, I'm just looking at the table now. It's really tight, isn't it? Um, pleased to see Charlton up there at the top. But yeah, next week's game is going to be absolutely massive for both teams. I think this league is such a competitive league and a really difficult league to get out of. And I think teams when you when you're at the top you really do have to take one match at a time because it is looking very very tight and you've got to you know not look too far ahead because there's a lot of games to go but it's important that you just focus on each game because it looks like anyone's beating anyone at the minute and you take your eye off the ball and 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 you could be punished and and miss out on on a promotion spot but yeah it's um exciting and that's exactly what you want from a your championship league isn't it Seventh upwards, you kind of look at. Durham sit on in seventh place on 14 points. Then it's Blackburn Rovers on 15. Birmingham have got 17. Southampton on 18. Crystal Palace with that game in hand on 20. And then Sunderland and Charlton on 21. I mean, you know, yeah. we're, it's it's just brilliant coming up to halfway point of the season as well. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. England manager Serena Wiegmann has been promoting her new book, What It Takes, and she came into TalkSport Towers to chat with me and TalkSport Breakfast presenter Gabby Agbonlahor last week. We discussed a wide range of topics, but it was Gabby's daughter Evelyn who kicked off the interview. Hi Serena, what advice would you give a 12-year-old girl who wants to be a professional footballer? Oh, that's a good question. Um, The first advice I would give is just enjoy the game, um, have fun and do your best and um, the rest will come. For me, um, Serena, my daughter, Evelyn, she um, she plays now for a team called um, Sutton Coalfield Town. They're a team in Birmingham, and she's been playing with her um, her brother for, like, since she was three years old, enjoying football. But we haven't managed to get her a team. But now the games, because of yourself and um, the Lionesses, the game's got so much bigger now. There's more girls' teams. And her team, her teammates, the parents... They're all buzzing with their um, young daughters um, playing the game. So they're really loving football at the moment. Yeah, I think that's really great. Um, you know, I started with my brother too, but that's years ago. And then girls were not allowed to play. And it was not cool to play football for a girl. And things changed over the years so much. So that's so valuable that now your daughter has an opportunity to play and with her brother or with peers or with other girls or boys. Yes. And I think that's very, very valuable. And she also has examples, so she can watch football and see, you know, Frank Kirby or Ella Toon exactly. or whoever you. And yes. she can buy a shirt and get the name on the back. And we, we say, what what you see, you can be. Um, and that's very inspirational, I think. Serena, the book that you've got out is is on leadership, and it's not just inspiring girls to play football as well. It's potentially inspiring girls to become managers like yourself as well. Yeah, yeah, what I hope with the book is just inspire people and everyone who likes football or likes education or or management. I I hope they 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 buy the book and enjoy reading it. But the extra I would like to um to get there with the book is is that women will read it and and say, "Okay, I want to become a coach." Uh but this just gives me the little push, extra push and just I'm going for it and I hope uh, that inspires them. So why did you want to become a coach and what's your leadership style? Yeah, well, when I was young, there was no opportunity to become a coach, a football coach. So I didn't like I didn't have the examples. Now you do have the examples and we want more examples. So I first wanted to be a PE teacher because I could become a PE teacher. And I know knew that from a very young age. So I love sports, especially football. And I love working or connecting with people. So um, over the years, got more and more opportunities to become a coach. So I took my coach courses, and as soon as I got the opportunity to coach, I did. And I, well, when I quit playing myself, and then later on, I got the opportunity to be professional coach. That just came over the years, and I just love football. I love coaching and working with people. I wanted to ask you about how you deal with, you know, when players aren't playing and 
you leave players out of squads. How do you deal with that? Because players naturally you get upset, don't you? Yeah, well, of course that's hard. Like it's it's um, it, it's we play at the highest level, and at the highest level, um, you you play to win and you make decisions to win. Well, we have a team of twenty three, and sometimes we we have a little more. But when we go into a game, uh, the squad can only have twenty three players, um, and you need all those players. So you have to really you know connect with with twenty three players. But you can only start eleven. When you're a sub, that's harder. And it also depends on what the expectations are. So you have to manage expectations. And, um, and, and some players, like the younger players, are still growing. When you're older um, and, and you have had that growth, um, then what, what's your next step? I think it's it's important to, to keep connected with the players and tell them where they are at the moment, what, what are the super strengths and what can they improve, to have conversation about that so they can still work on their development. And then you have the part where with whom are they competing and, and I will bring the best team on the pitch what I think is the best team so you can't control what your what your competitors do but you can't you can control your own development and I think I have to be clear to them how we see it and trying to help them in their development you know you're obviously a, a hugely inspirational coach yourself and another inspirational coach in this country is is Emma Hayes who's announced she's leaving Chelsea how big a miss would she be to the WSL and how much of an asset and now a potential opponent for you if she goes to mm-hmm. the US women's national team. Yeah, well, l- let's first celebrate what she's done for the game um, here in England for Chelsea, but I think worldwide too. She, she has done a, a trim, an incredible job and I think um, she got so much respect and deserved respect. And I think Chelsea also showed respect. So they announced it early and they really want to finish this or finish it, just start it, but have a very good season. Um, I think, of course, it's um, a disappointment that she will leave um, because she can still have a big impact on the game here. But I think overall for her, it's good to move on to after, well, then it will be 12 years. Um, and for the women's game, it's good overall that she that she takes another opportunity. So she will not leave the women's game, and I think that's a good thing. Yeah, I think that's a good thing as well. And actually, it's a debate that we were having earlier on in the in the studio about this clamour for top female coaches to immediately go into the into the men's game, and and why that doesn't necessarily have to be the case. What's what's your opinion on it? Yeah, I think um, you know it's it's so nice to work in a women's game. Like what you want is work with the best players, and the the players in the are so committed and it's such a high level. And I just I just love doing that. The the other thing in the women's game is that everyone is so um, conscious of where we come from and where we are right now, and we want to keep going forward. So there's a, a big societal uh, consciousness and. This generation really, of course, we want to perform at the highest level and that gives us visibility. And then that gives us also the stage to address things and to make the position of women in football, but also women in general, um, yeah, make it a better place for them. Got one last question for you, and it's on VAR. And I'm sorry because we've discussed VAR. It's not part of my book, is it? No, it's not in your book. It's not. But I would love okay, your opinions ahead. on it because the CEO of IFAB uh, was on with Jim White and Simon Jordan, and, and basically said it's going to take ten years before VAR is accepted and is working. Why is this taking so long? Um, technology in football, and, and what are your opinions on? VAR. I know what Gabby's are, but what are yours? <laughs> yeah. Well, I have, I I um I missed that conversation yesterday. I think well, VAR is now in the game. What I hope, and we talked about that before in the women's game, that is consistent. 
that's going to be consistent. So now in and so in the Nations League, either have it all or don't have it. And I do think that um, we, we're still improving it. I think it makes the game at moments honester, uh, and and so, results have so much impact. So I think that's good. And yes, innovation takes time. The FA have announced this year's prize fund for the Women's FA Cup will be doubled to a total of £6 million. The winners will now receive £430,000. That's over four times last year's amount of 100000 when Chelsea lifted the trophy. The FA's Director of Women's Football, Baroness Sue Campbell, said it's a positive step towards a long-term ambition of achieving equal prize money. I asked Jenna what the real significance of the prize fund raise was. Yeah, I think it's a positive step. I think, you know, we're by no means where we want to be with the prize money, but it's a huge, huge step in the right direction. And it shows the FA's commitment to to reaching that long-term goal. I think it, it takes time, changes take time, but this is, I definitely say this is a huge step in the right direction for, for women's football. Arsenal boss Jonas Eideval says it's good, but questions if it's good enough. Uh, citing the fact that the FA is responsible for the growth and development of men's and women's football and a big difference in prize money affects how people see and value the two different competitions. Do you agree? Yeah, I mean, like I said, there's always going to be people that will want more. But I think in terms of are we heading in the right direction with it? Yes, massively we are. And hopefully in years to come, each year it will start to grow and we'll, we'll reach that end goal. But I think for now, it's it, it can only be seen as a positive. Thanks so much for listening. We'll be back next Monday to break down all the action in the WSL, as well as reflect on the first round of Champions League qualifying games. Even on a budget, Quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.